Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. For 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. DLC, of course, the show all about gaming in its many forms games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co host. Slash nemesis. The guy who loves it when fall is in the air. Still waiting for those leaves to change. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everybody. I am. Um, uh, <clears throat> you you move out of California. You've been gone for like, a, what, a month? And all of a sudden seasons. you believe in seasons are a thing? Seasons everywhere, Christian. It's the most glorious thing. You, gotta, you, you can't believe it. You, you, you just, it blows your mind. Yeah, yeah. So no, there's no such thing. It is still um, <laughs> it, we have seasons here too. We are still in the middle of wildfire season, unfortunately, mm. which is becoming longer and longer every year. Um, yeah. But that also causes the leaves to change color, just in a very <laughs> sadder, much more tragic way. Yeah, and you know how people always say only three hundred more shopping days till Christmas. Uh, people in California say only four more days until fire season because it's always only yeah. four days away. It's real bad. It's real bad. It's real bad. Uh, I, I went to Breckenridge for the first time this weekend as we continue to explore our new Colorado uh, area, uh, or new to us, I should say. And uh, it's it was absolutely amazing to see trees changing color and uh, being able to wear a sweater. Ugh, what a thing. What a thing most people in the world experience and not me for my entire life. <laughs> I can't wait to get your Christmas card this year where you're like – in snow, doing yep. snow stuff with snow. Usually it's like board shorts and hanging out. This year, yeah. the Kanadas are all in, baby. Yeah, we're all in. We'll see how long we like snow. But for, for the first year, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> hey, uh, we got an awesome show for you. We're going to be talking Nintendo in a big way because they came out came hard and heavy with their uh, their Nintendo Direct for September. And we've got games to talk about, the fall games. I mean, talking about leaves changing, the other sign of fall is that games start coming out in a big way. And we've got games to discuss. Luckily, we also have an awesome guest to discuss them with. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, once again, DLC stands for driving lots of content. Because we have game streamer extraordinaire, our friend, 
Tim Trixler Frazier joining us once again. Hey, Trixler, what is up? What is up, Jeff and Spice Man? It's been a while since we've been on, but I was looking forward to, to hanging out with you guys once again. I did want to mention you left us, and uh, we actually have had two thunderstorms in California since what? you left. Two actual rain thunderstorms with thunder and lightning and rain. And one of them, one of them caused a wildfire. So, it, yeah. you know, it still fits the theme. <laughs> <That's so true>. but, <laughs> you know, come see, come You also had, I, I had that moment where for the first time in my entire life, you know, since the advent of Twitter, mm. uh, earthquake, LA earthquake tri- Twitter went off and I wasn't there. I wasn't part of it. I've always been the guy saying, I felt it. You know, you missed the Twitter whole wave, all the free impressions, the free engagements. Yeah, <sighs> not, not, not me. I was like, wow, no longer, no longer will I uh, be woken up in the middle of the night to the shaking of my house. No, uh, I've already booked my tickets. Trickster and I both. We're going to fly there. Your wife's going <laughs> to let us in. And we're just going <clears> to <throat> shake the crap out of your bed one night <clears throat> at just yeah. 3 a.m. and then leave and just yeah. let you know what it's like. Well, it's so nice. I, actually, we have a um, the air conditioner in my house is in my new house is uh, is pretty intense, like when it kicks on. <laughs> and and the, first cu- the first couple of nights we were here, both my wife and I were like, quick, quick. Oh, wait, no, we don't have to worry about that anymore. So I suspect that if you do uh, that plan and you start shaking my bed, I'll just sleep sublimely through it because i'll know ah i don't have to stress about earthquakes anymore did the person who sold you your house tell you that that quarter 25 cent machine thing that you put next to your bed is an air conditioner because jeff that is not yeah that is not (laughs) what that house is used for apparently (laughs) yeah no it's the uh the honeymoon suite in my uh Mm. perfect wow jealous of you we got a real deal on this place (laughs) anyway (laughs) (laughs) enough about that nonsense let's jump in and start the show the way we always do with story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week and usually we let Everybody picked their own story of the week. But really, this week, there's only one big thing that happened. I mean, maybe a couple. But basically, it was Nintendo Direct. So, in lieu of asking you, Trixler, what your favorite story of the week was, or what your personal story of the week was, I'm going to say, what was your your favorite thing they announced or reiterated in the very lengthy 40-minute-long Nintendo Direct that happened this week. It was a long one, wasn't it? But it was it was pretty good. Uh, I would say actually the N sixty four games and Sega Genesis games from the past coming to the Switch. Yeah, uh, a positive of it is one. I want to play older games. It's that simple. Like um, speaking personally, I missed a lot of games when I was younger because I was either playing just Halo. That's it. That's all <laughs> I played for years. Then StarCraft and then Heroes, and I just missed out on so much uh, from the past. So I'm happy that they're doing that i do have one reservation about it all though uh is they don't tell us how much it's going to cost and i feel like what nintendo is really good at is creating amazing ips but they know that and they uh they really do charge a lot of money to make sure that people are able to play their games so i'm hoping that it'll be cost effective so we can enjoy and just not really uh be upset about what's coming yeah. to Nintendo switch Yes, well, of course, we do know how much Nintendo Switch Online costs, and one would have assumed prior to this announcement that perhaps adding the N64 mm-hmm. games into Nintendo Switch Online would add value to that online streaming service that you pay, what, Agreed. eight bucks a month for, I think is now the price. Uh, but no, that's not how it's going to work. It is now, it will require a Nintendo Switch Online account, 
But this is being called an expansion pack, mm-hmm. which, again, Nintendo breaking new ground all the time. Adding expansion packs <laughs> to uh, online streaming services or online subscription services. Um, and this expansion pack, which will be launching in late October, so very soon, um, is going to include a whole bunch of N64 and Sega Genesis games, which is interesting. Not the same generation of consoles, but clearly, um, you know, a lot of people were excited, are excited about the Genesis games as well. There's a whole bunch of top tier stuff. I mean, Streets of Rage, Sonic the Hedgehog, Strider. I love Strider. Uh, Echo the Dolphin, Contra. Lots of great uh, Genesis games uh, alongside the heavy hitters from the N64. Ocarina of Time being the marquee one. Mario 64, you got to have that in there. Star Fox 64, uh, Yoshi Story, Mario Kart 64, Mario Tennis. Some cool stuff. Um, but like you said, Trixler, there's no indication of how much the expansion pass is going to add to your monthly fee. Uh, alongside those, however, I should bring up, uh, we also got new controllers, yeah. wireless controllers that will work with your Switch um, that are branded around the N64, look you know, exactly like the N- old N64 controller, which I know a lot of people still think is one of the best controllers ever made. Uh, I don't know how. You, how do you? What do you think? Yeah, I know you said you missed those back in the day. Yeah, but do you have a fondness for that old hardware? Are you excited about them well, bringing that back? I dabbled a bit because my cousins did play like the Golden Eye and all that stuff. Um, I think the controller coming out is actually a big win for these type of games because these games are hard tuned to those controllers, right? Like if you yeah. play like an emulator nowadays and you try an Xbox controller, it feels a little off. It feels a little clunky. So I'm hoping that they can replicate that experience that we had back in those days. And I for sure will buy one as long as they're not like. 80 to 100 dollars you know something like 20 to 30 dollars makes sense to me um but i would love to play um the mario kart on 64 on the old controller and how it felt and get that authentic experience because i I think it'll deliver a lot i don't know what about you christian i mean nintendo and sega have had a nice relationship now for the past probably decade going on like mario and sonic at the olympics and yeah they both mm-hmm. went to the olympics yeah. together they i mean you, the have, you, together. you really form right. form a bond when you you know are competing right. side by side and yes the, the grandest uh <laughs> contest of the i don't know, I don't know just pure but sharing of ip and sega you know even back to the gamecube right sega making f-zero the best f-zero is the gamecube f-zero and so we've seen them working together but it still did as an old kind of blow my mind to see the head of Nintendo hawking a Genesis controller. Like it's just like, <laughs> yeah, there is something cool about that. Yeah. I mean that, that was talk about a flex. Like you yeah. play these great games from this company. I mean, it's a we 30 crush. year late, <laughs> 30 year late flex, but it is. You a might flex. remember these old games. I don't because we destroyed <laughs> them. But if you were an idiot on the wrong side of history, like me, I love Genesis. You can play these. They all suck compared to our <laughs> games that you can already... It's, you know, it's no. a flex for 40-year-olds is what yes. it is. Thank you. And a 40-year-old <laughs> flex is like a little hangier flex than it used to be. Oh, no. Um, it, Too real. It, 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 that, that blew my mind. Um, it kind of bothers me. And the same thing happened with the um, Sega Genesis Mini, where like in Japan, they get the six button controller. And in the US, we get it's only the three button controller. Um, yeah, the six button controller is better. It's, it's just a better controller. Um, 
that but that blew me away. The N64 thing also blew me away. We had seen rumors of them or patents of them doing that controller, and a lot of people thought it was going to be another mini console um, to go yeah. this route. I, that's I was going to bring that up. What, do you do you think? Would you have preferred it to be a mini console, or do you like that it's part of the Switch back? Pat, uh, I'd like a mini console because they sit on my shelf and they look good, <laughs> and and you right. kind of own them. I mean, I already own all these games, but mini consoles are very convenient ways to revisit a lot of these games. I think had no subscription Switch, fee, right? Right, having yeah. them on Switch is also nice. My curiosity with this controller is, um, does it come with a center analog that also just turns to sand after four years or whatever? Like the N sixty four controller was. You know, it brought analog to the masses, and the C camera ended up being changed over generations into another analog stick. But that center stick on N64 controllers does not stand the test of time. And I'm curious, is this that same? It's almost like a rack and pinion. <laughs> like It's like a thing <laughs> with the hoop through it, or is it a modern analog? Um, but I agree with Trixler, the, so many N64 games play on that controller, you know, like it feels weird to do Mario 64 camera control with an analog because it was built around C buttons. Yeah. Um, it's exciting. I, I think price is going to be the thing, right? Like Nintendo switch online is fairly reasonable as a game subscription service, as an online service. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I hate too strong of a word. I dislike the idea of like, you know, the precedent of Microsoft or whatever now going. And if you want to play Halo Infinite, sign up for Game Pass Rumble Pack, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What? It's, well, it feels, okay, so let me, it feels weird. Let me ask both of you, what is the right price point for an expansion pass? Two extra dollars a month? Five extra dollars a month? What, what are we thinking? Yeah, like the idea of two to three dollars sounds okay to me because again like when you have to look at it like everything is becoming subscription based i have my tv subscriptions now i have my movie subscriptions and they all wind up stacking up and i'm paying a lot of money over time to have all these stuff that i may not even utilize from month to month uh so i think on the lower side be good under five dollars i would be okay with i would prefer for this practice to uh just roll into the online play as we were mentioning earlier but i understand they want to make money etc so anything under five dollars is pretty good for me um, I actually wanted to bring up Christian's point as well about it being a mini cartridge. I think I would have preferred that too as well, uh, because you own the games. They don't disappear a month yeah. later, which is such a, a rough thing to deal with. Because um, sometimes you might be in the middle of a play session, you got to figure out how to finish it off real quick before it disappears from your Switch. Things like that can be uh, a bit annoying. Um, but if it's under five bucks, I would be okay with it. I would deal with it, and I would just go with the memory and just enjoy my time while it's out going to be really interesting to see how much they go you know how mm-hmm. how high they go with this expansion pass because you know uh it, to me it feels like two to three bucks is really the sweet spot or the upper bound as, as far as i'm concerned for what makes sure. sense uh especially if you're i think it's eight bucks right now right is that right christian eight bucks i don't know i bulk bought and it was like you know ended up being it was like three dollars a month you know there was like when they launched it was very very cheap i don't know how much it is now my gut tells uh, me five if you do the year plan but i could be wrong yeah it's uh let me find it here um 12 month for 12 month digital subscription right now is, is 20 bucks uh so maybe if you buy it in month as, as 12 months it's only 20 bucks that's pretty low um 
Yeah, it's not a lot. I, I think the the key it, to this one month one month is is only four dollars. Okay, so I'm right. So three months is eight bucks. So it's only four dollars for a month right now. Um, right, twenty bucks for twelve months. So I can't imagine. I mean, I can't imagine they double that, would they? For for just those that library. I mean, it's like not. What you know, there's rumors of GBA games or Game Boy games joining yeah. too. Does that then become another expansion pass, or is that a value add for this expand? You know, to, to this, and I think that's kind of the problematic part. I think if you can be smart and with your subscriptions, which the reason things have subscription is because most of us aren't, but whatever the price is, assuming it's not super unreasonable, it's a great value to be like, hey, I'm going to subscribe for a month, and I have all these great games to play, and it's only like you know, four bucks. But what happens is you subscribe forever and then you realize I haven't played any of these mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> because there are tons of new games coming out. That's a fitness I mean, center model. You go for a month and then you forget. And the next thing you yeah. know, two years later, you've dropped 120 <laughs> bucks on something you're not using. Totally. Yeah. You dropped 120 bucks and zero pounds. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the $4, I, I guess I should have looked this up before we started talking about the $4 a month changes my perspective because i feel like now you're looking at like one or two that makes sense as an expansion pass right because you can't make the expansion pass as much or more than the baseline if you're if you're using the semantics of an expansion pass sure yeah it feels like it needs to be a lower price than the you know the main product right it feels like it needs to be just a buck or two more I don't well, know. maybe they'll announce a price increase of the main product in October. Also, you know, like, that's price, I mean, we fixed internet. Here you go. It, yeah. it, we fixed the internet. It does. <laughs> and bother again. I need to think of less strong words. The announcement without a price is annoying. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so soon. I could understand if it's like, hey, we're creating a brand new Pokemon MMO. Here's the thing. We're going to do this. Never done before. It's going to be incredible. We'll have more details later. Great. You know, whatever. You're building this thing. It's going to, who knows what the monthly sub is. It's not coming out for a while. This is like, hey, guys, we're going to flip the light switch next week. Uh, We'll tell you how much it is later. It just, let us, how much is it? No, I totally agree, Christian. It it feels like that bit of news they knew was not going to land well. And so they wanted to get that positive rub of everybody excited about this news without the negative rub of how much it's going to cost. And that just feels a little manipulative you know i will say there is one really cool thing about this going on switch online is that it's going to have multiplayer you can play mario 64 with your friends which uh to me is a big deal i am at a point where i kind of miss playing old games like halo lands and whatnot uh so just getting a scratch for that uh it's pretty exciting as well uh not to like take away from the whole like price there is like some really cool positives with all this i think there is i think it's a positive thing too i i Again, it seems like the way Nintendo does does stuff all the time with regard to services mm-hmm. is always like one hand give, one hand take, or sure. you know, just not completely how you'd want it. Not 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 a hundred percent something where you go, yes, you nailed it. But I do think it is cool that these games will probably find new audiences, and um, those of us who are nostalgic will get a chance to revisit them and in, in, on a on a console that makes it easy and fun to play them on the go and, and that's great too i do uh, have yeah. a question for you guys if we want to continue on this one a yeah, little bit sure. uh what games do you guys want because like banjo kazooie has already been confirmed by rare is coming and um, after yeah. about a month or so what is something that you guys actually want to play from your n64 or sega era 
Christian, you want to I mean, answer that? Yeah, N sixty four. I think, um, and I think both of these were missing. I need to double check. But Where's wave, that race, wave race. Sorry, ten eighty, <laughs> um, and then Golden Eye Obvi. Yeah, Perfect Golden Dark Eye. just to also have it. Um, sure. I, Microsoft might be stingier with that. Maybe not. I mean, it's already on Rare Replay, but to have it there again um, to have with Golden Eye would be pretty great. Uh, I'm trying to think of something else out of the N64 library. P- Pilot Wings? Pilot Wings wasn't on this. Do you guys remember a little game called Donkey Kong 64? Donkey Kong 64. Yeah, that's what I want. I think I they showed that as a future, like a, hey, we're thinking about. And it was kind of like, no promises, but here's other games you like. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean. Yeah, uh, and then Genesis, it's the catalog's big. But I already have all that catalog, so I'm not. I mean, I have my Mega SG right next to me and my all my Genesis games, but there's a lot they could add on Genesis, I think, to make people happy. And I think on both, on SNES and Genesis, if they are partnering with more people, I think there are a whole bunch of that era of sports games that oh, us true, yeah. would really like to revisit. The original Madden, back in the day. I mean, that's yeah. that's the game that got the most play on my Genesis of all, is... is Madden on the Genesis. I played that so much. Oh my NHL God. 94. Yeah. Um, NBA Live 96, I think was my favorite. Like there's a, there's fun old, you know, they're very archaic compared to now. Oh, but yeah. Fun mm-hmm. little sports games. What yeah. about you? Do you have Oh, uh, well, the Donkey Kong is for me, but I just like looking at older games nowadays because I just like seeing the foundation of where we've built so far over the last 20 years when it comes to, to gaming so like if i play like a madden or whatever i can see how simple it was but like the idea was there uh or even things like echo the dolphin everyone talks about echo the dolphin but i look at it and it looks boring so i want to like <laughs> well, actually play it and see what's up yeah i mean it's it's i say this so often as as a confirmed old mm-hmm. i i say this all the time is that a lot of these games that people clamor for or have big you know real estate in our in our mind space uh you know that that nostalgia and all this lore around that people think back on fondly. A great example, one I bring up all the time, is Shenmue, right? These these games that people just have the put on a pedestal. Well, nine times out of ten, they were great because they were doing things in that time that were novel or breaking new ground. Yeah. But that br- ground having been broken at that time has been improved upon immensely inevitably and oftentimes those games when you play them fresh and you don't have that nostalgia you go what's the big deal about this stuff and it's like well you kind of had to be there because games weren't really doing that because games were much a much narrower space at that time you didn't have indie games you didn't have you know people making uh you know thinking about games in, in quite the same way and and so oftentimes a game like Echo the Dolphin that tries to do something different, i.e. not having you shoot something every four seconds. Uh, you go, People back then, it's like, wow, this thing is so crazy and so different. Um, and then, of course, there are also games that are just Epic, bonkers different. Trigger. I mean, there are games that are just would be, have been great in any era that they came out. Mm-hmm. And there are also games that are just bonkers different, like Seaman, for example, uh, which is just like, what? Who, how did this get made at all? Um, anyway, so, but yes, I think that there are a lot of games that just don't stand up to the test of, of time and don't, it's, it's, 
it's hard to understand how they got the reputation that they got, but it's like, well, back then our our expectations were so much lower. Yeah. <laughs> it happened to me with uh, Halo 3 and the Master Chief Collection. When it came out, I was so pumped. Like, I waited up till midnight, it came out, and I was like, wow, Halo 3 just is not that fun. Uh, yeah. I think it was the community at the time is what made it so enjoyable. And it was like the only game and it was online play and there was all these other factors that built into it. And then the game was there for everybody. Right. Uh, but nowadays you play it and you're literally sitting at a screen. You can literally just see the reticle just barely like sliding across. It feels so weird. And there's like no motion, uh, yeah. which was, which was so odd for me. Cause I, I had so many fond memories of that game for years. It was my life. So awesome. So it's so interesting to hear those things, you know, and mm. all these vaunted games that we, I don't know if they're still, but you know, it's like that with any piece of art, technology moves forward, tastes move forward, culture moves forward and all these things. It's like, Oh, that was the greatest thing ever revisiting it. Oftentimes you go, why did I think that? (laughs) Uh, Christian, what, what was your favorite thing from the uh, Nintendo presentation? It's a toss up. Um, but I know which one I'm going to give it to. They both had threes in their names, uh, the two things that I was excited about. But one still feels very far away, and the other feels a little more real. I, I think the Splatoon 3 reveal, or further reveal, what they showed at the showcase was really fun and cool. They showed you know, more of what you kind of know and love with the competitive splat fest style, you know, paint the town, control the area. Um, and then I'm still not entirely sure what, the uh, single player component is where it's like the mammals are back. It was like moody and weird. And it was like cut to <laughs> cut to with like awesome music. Like, I don't know what it's going to be, but I really like Splatoon one and Splatoon two Splatoon two still gets fairly regular play at my house with my kids. Like the core multiplayer game there is easy to pick up and play. And while there certainly is a skill, level that makes you better at it it's not like oh i guess i will go pick up csgo again and see how i do and you're like oh no this was a mistake <laughs> like splatoon you can have fun and it looks like they're carrying that forward with three and then if it does have a more compelling single player progression i think that sounds awesome because twos was fun and i argue as maybe someone whose hands are just you know atrophied pretty difficult like the single player in splatoon 2 was a lot of Puzzles, not quite the right word, but like platforming and and solving little areas uh, with using your spray and and launching and then landing and and getting things done. And then some fairly difficult combat coming out of that as well that would like really hinder your momentum or what you were building toward. So I think there's a lot there. And I love that they're continuing to develop that franchise in a fun way. I think it looks awesome. It still feels far away because it's still just given a year. And anytime a game is just given a year, I assume that means kind of like Battlefield uh, we talked about last week, Jeff. What's the latest possible date we can have yeah. it come out in this yeah. <laughs> in this year? But it looks really good. I love the style of Splatoon. It embodies, you know, that jet set radio, like too cool for its own good, streetwear, hip music pushing culture forward. I, I really, really like that franchise. Are you uh, are you into Splatoon at all, Trixler? I played it a little bit. I thought it was smooth and enjoyable. I just uh, going back to our earlier point. Just when it comes to Switch Online, I just yeah, I just can't stand it. Uh, You're more also, of a Wii U guy. 
Uh, Also, I recently, with Pokemon Unite coming out, I finally picked up a Switch uh, Pro Controller, and that has made my gaming so much better. So maybe if I go back to Splatoon and try it. But playing it on the joysticks and trying to be, like, pixel perfect uh, just didn't really work for me at all in any way, shape, or form. So maybe I should revisit it sometime, especially with your glowing review. We need to have a quick sidebar about Pokemon Unite, because you are, you know, top-tier MOBA player. (laughs) What Do you think it holds up as a competitive MOBA? It is a large conversation. That's a podcast that we could spend a couple hours on because when it comes to MOBAs, I have many thoughts, both positive and lots of negatives. Uh, I think what Day Pokemon- 27 of Pokemon Unite Podcast, we're here with Jeff and Trickster as they're debating the viable lanes. I think what they did with Pokemon Unite in the MOBAsphere is actually pretty intelligent uh, by putting it on a 10-minute timer and putting you on a linear gameplay set. The problem with that is when you have linear gameplay in a MOBA, you put a lot of power into the player's hands to work as a team, and people suck. People just (laughs) don't know how to work together. And when you put it on a 10-minute timer, when you you have people actually learn the game or try to... Uh, figure out what the optimal way to play is it just becomes more frustrating for people and it causes a lot of rift and a lot of problems um so when it comes to the actual game and how it runs from the start to the very end i have a lot of qualms but i have a lot of like oh that's pretty cool that's pretty interesting how they ran with that uh but as a game by itself and how it's run with the last mobile update i think it's fun i think if you want to play a moba and you don't want to put any work to learning a game you want to be casual get into it go pick your favorite pokemon master them hit your buttons and enjoy yourself it's great for that if you want to be a competitive MOBA player, which is what most MOBAs do, is try to corner that competitive itch to try and win and beat out your opponent, it kind of falls flat for me. Do you think it, it can be a gateway drug into oh, definitely. that? Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I think they made it really easy for people to uh, orb walk, which is like the animation canceling to do auto attacks and whatnot, uh, by slamming it onto a button. And you have a couple of hotkeys to get it a little bit more mastered into the game itself. Um, so if you want to learn how to move your character in MOBAs, Perfect. They've nailed that design. <laughs> if you want to learn how to blow up stuff, they make everyone feel OP with a combo. Usually you can do 80% of their HP and then work your way into finishing them off with teamwork. Um, they've, they've nailed that aspect of it. So if you were to go from casual all the way up to like trying to be good, I would go Pokemon Unite, Heroes of the Storm, League of Legends, and then Dota. That would be your gaming your life progression. sphere. Your progression to godhood. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> uh, it, It's awesome. fun in that regard. I think it's... it's um, what I think Heroes of the Storm players play Heroes of the Storm as, I think Pokemon Unite nailed that design. Interesting. Right? Yeah. Because um, like if, if you play Heroes of the Storm, um, a lot of people kind of just run on each other and they, pray, they go with that whole brawling segment they were going with for the first yeah. year. Yeah. Pokemon Unite nails that brawling and they do a great job of it. Very cool. I love getting your perspective on that. Um, very cool. Anytime, um, man. Yeah. Um, so, Christian, I assume the other game with the three in it was Bayonetta. That you're excited about and first announced in 2017 the before times the before times yeah before the before times even like a, <laughs> a long time ago yeah no gameplay kind of just a logo and we got our first look at gameplay and i guess it was gameplay it looked great but it is another game that just feels i don't know when um it it, it looked like bayonetta i should say it looks a little dated only because the switch hardware is long in the tooth and bayonetta has kind of been a game that it isn't living and dying on its art direction 
um, you know, Bayonetta is, I think, a cool character and mm-hmm. the hair and the way she moves and animates and flips and stuff like that. But it is a franchise that I think would live better on a more powerful console, kind of like No More Heroes 3 or any of the No More Heroes. But now that we're on 3, it's like, oh, open world games can have longer draw distances than this. <laughs> like, why, <laughs> why am I playing Turok on a motorcycle? Um so I, I love the combat. I'm likely there day one for Bayonetta three, but it's hard for me to be super excited now when I was so excited in 2017. <laughs> and it's yeah. still, it's, I'm still seeing clips of gameplay, not even a long play, you know, and like dropping this holiday or whatever. It still feels, it feels far away. Yeah. Uh, lots of stuff from this Nintendo direct. I mean, there, there's a lot of really interesting things to pick out. Like, Knights of the Old Republic is is coming to Switch, but it's not that one that we all got excited about. It's yeah. actually the old one, and it feels a little bit like a. It feels a little bit like that thing where Grandma bought the wrong game again. You know, we talked <laughs> about that a lot. Where it's like, oh, I'm excited about that uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, it's out on Switch. Well, this doesn't look any different than I feel the old. Like one. That's a Nintendo strategy because when Final Fantasy VII Remastered <laughs> yes! was announced, they immediately brought back the other Final Fantasy VII, which I think is actually a, a pretty cool strategy. It's just like it does feel like. Yeah, but we have this cool shiny thing coming soon. I, <laughs> I mean, want cool I guess, shiny. I guess it's a cool strategy, but it also feels a little it, it feels a little uh, predatory in the sense sure. of just people not knowing any better. Anyway, what uh, feels but, even weirder was Sony announcing Mario, um, Mario you know, Mario sixty five. Uh, <laughs> it's one more than they've got. Um, uh, I'll tell you the thing that surprised me the most. Uh, Act Razor Renaissance. I will tell you, I vividly remember the Christmas Eve where my aunt and uncle, who never, actually, technically great aunt and uncle, it's my uh, my grandmother's sister and her husband, who never got me, they, they got me the kinds of gifts where, it, it, you know, it was like a, uh, an encyclopedia subscription, you know, or like a, a, you know, a place to keep my pencils. Yeah, that, those are the kind of gifts they got. And then one Christmas, they must have asked my mom what I wanted, or I don't know how they got, but they got me ActRaiser for Super Nintendo. And, and it that's was, when they became your great aunt. They were my before yeah. they were just regular. They were just good aunts. Became <laughs> 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 a great aunt. Uh, <laughs> Wait, sell me on this game. I'm looking at the trailer. Is this a JRPG? Is it a platformer with like combat? All, what is this? All of the above. It, okay, it was such a weird genre bending monstrosity back in the whatever late '80s, early '90s, whenever it came out. Um, and this is out now. Actors of Renaissance is out now. I have not played it. But it's getting good reviews. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it. it. Looks great. I kind of don't even want to revisit it. I, based exactly on the conversation we had earlier, which mm. is like my opinion of Actraiser. What, is so wrapped up in who I was as a little kid when I played it. But um, I just, I don't think it'll live up, but people are giving it very high marks. So maybe I will take a look at it. Anyway, it's such an odd, odd, odd game, or at least was at that time. It had all kinds of weird, like city management stuff. And the, and it was a platformer, but it's also kind of got RPG elements. It it was just such a, it wasn't like anything I'd ever played before when I played it at that time. And, I don't know. It's also I, a it, showcase for Mode 7, if I remember yes. correctly. Well, like, everything was at that time. I mean, it's like Mode 7 out your ears uh, all the time. Um, anyway, I just think it's such an... It is one of those IPs that I've always sort of had in the back of my head and thought, I wonder why nobody's doing anything with Actraiser, uh, which I th- also think is one of the great 
titles of anything. Act Razor. That's a cool word. You know, it's just a great title. It's so evocative in, in some non-specific way. Anyway, I, I, that, that shocked me. Um, but, of course, I, I think if I had to pick out the thing that I'm most excited about playing from the Nintendo Direct, it's actually Triangle Strategy. Uh, that game looks really cool and really interesting, and they showed a lot more of it. Um, I like the way they presented it as, hey, we gave you that demo, you know, back in February, and we've really taken your your notes to heart, and we've changed a lot of stuff. And just, like, I, I think that game looks really cool, and uh, I'm excited. I love turn-based stuff, and I love that, what do they call it, um, uh, 2D HD, they're calling yeah. it? Yeah, uh, very I Octopath love that Traveler. Look. Yeah, it, exactly. Octopath, tra- Octopath Traveler for sure. Um, anyway, so uh, overall, I thought it wasn't a huge, um, huge direct for things for me personally that I'm super excited about. Uh, I was really interested in seeing a new Kirby game. That's not the Kirby game I'm looking forward to. You know, <laughs> it looks like the Sonic Adventure of Kirby games. Um, which is not a compliment. But you can um, wear a Lynx hat. They like show that four times during the trailer. Really? They're like, look, he has a sword. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the big ending thing was Disney Magical World 2 Enchanted Edition, which is like, they're just kind of carting out all these old updates and remakes. He said after just going crazy yeah. about ActRaiser. So I, I guess I'm a hypocrite. But overall, not a ton of stuff for me personally to be super excited about. Are you guys... Uh, into metroid or anything because like I mean, metroid Christian's... dread keeps getting shown off but like one i've Christian... never like played a metroid so oh you've never played a metroid never played a metroid i played metroidvanias wow. like ori hollow nine sure. all of those and i love them i think they're incredibly fun and then i look at this metroid dread and i'm like this is on switch hardware this doesn't look that good uh but some people seem pretty excited about it well i know uh... christian is very excited I would just say before you, before you get on your excitement train, which I'm very excited for you to load up. I'm already on it. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for leave the station. I, I will say the, and a lot of people have been very much anticipating this game for decades, but um, the idea of me playing a Metroid and having something uh, chasing me and kind of giving me a time limit all the time is not, not appealing. But, and that's a lot of what they showed in the direct was like, there's something that is always chasing you and you can't kill it all the time someone played resident evil 2 and was like this will be great in metroid it just doesn't it just doesn't appeal to me but christian tell me why i'm wrong i think they got to balance that if it's always present i don't think it will be a hit i mean metroid is about exploring and backtracking and figuring things out but an occasional threat that pushes you forward into uncomfortable situations i think is a fun twist on a metroid franchise where it does pick up the pace a little bit and, and cause you to, you know, maybe blow past a secret that then you'll need to go back and revisit. I think there's cool stuff they could do. It's just speculation at this point, but it's like next two weeks. It's out very, very soon. Um, yeah. I'm super excited for it. Trickster, have you, another thing they announced we haven't talked about that might also be a gap in your gaming um, library, which I highly recommend going back and playing if you haven't. Have you played any of the GBA Castlevania games? No, no. Uh, the only Castlevania that I played was from the Castlevania producer. What was the name of that? Blood something. Bloodstains. Uh, Bloodstains. I yeah. played that, and I was like, wow, this is very enjoyable. I love the art. I love the presentation. I love the combat. Um, I didn't if, go if, all the way through because it seemed like a lot of grinding, but uh, that game was like, great. Yeah, if you like the Metroidvania, I mean, Symphony of the Night, right, is kind of the first Castlevania game to become mm-hmm. a Metroidvania of that ilk, but these GBA games, especially Aria of, Sor- Aria of Sorrow, um, 
which I think is, I believe is the third one of them, but all three of the games in that advanced collection are phenomenal, phenomenal Metroidvania, you know, Castlevania games in that ilk that are incredible combat exploration, that loop of finding new things and power-ups and getting back really wonderful music. Um, Highly, highly recommend that package. The only reason I didn't buy it is I've played them all a lot. And then also knowing that that package is a lifetime of game. Like there's so many hours of games in there that like, I know I wouldn't sit down and put the time in, but if people have missed those GBA games for whatever reason, now's the time to get them, huh? Highly recommend it. Yeah, it's funny. I feel the same way. It's like when they, you know, release the uh, Mass Effect collection. It's like you just got three hundred hours of game. Yeah, it's like, gosh, I wish I didn't play that game so I could play it. I mean, it's it's awesome, but to me, it's just like I can't even. That's like somebody saying you should watch all the seasons of. You know, a twelve season long show. It's like I, 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 if I had like organically gotten to that, I would have probably loved it. But all of it landing in one heap on my desk <laughs> just feels too like too much. I had a friend that took too on much. the task of doing a YouTube series for the Mass Effect trilogy when it came out, and it took him a hundred and twenty one episodes wow. to get through everything, and he just grinded for like two months straight. That's content, I could not baby. Believe it, yeah, content. <laughs> that's it looks good though <laughs> no it's i mean they're great but i i kind of relating to what you're saying christian it's like it's all these castlevanias and it's just it's a lot of game there in each of them so and i think the same is true of mass effect and for castlevania um as well in my opinion that's not the kind of you can between each one you can put it down and pick it up again but like those games aren't the games that you put down in the middle of and then come back three weeks later and go like where was i yeah, you forget this. mechanics, you're suddenly getting beat up, you get frustrated, you stop playing. Don't know what you're backtracking to, your map or whatever. It's kind mm-hmm. of like um, Mario Sunshine or Mario Galaxy, like that kind of game. It's like, yeah, put it down. You're revisiting it. Play some of your favorite levels. Put it down. Come back to it two months from now. Revisit your favorite levels. Have fun. It's like you're picking it up and you can kind of just play it again. But like, right. at no point would I recommend, okay, play 10 hours of Hollow Knight. <laughs> then stop for four months. <laughs> yeah, right. You'd be so then screwed. Come back. That's yeah. the experience. And Mass Effect's the same way, where it's like, who was I romancing? What was I doing? What planets do I need to go to? They're commitments. But I, I love that they exist. It's just I'm not at a place to play them right now. Um, but I hope that people that either didn't have GBAs or people now that have grown up on Metroidvanias, I love that there's a convenient way for them to go back and experience some of the best vanias <laughs> of that of that namesake. Two other quick things I want to mention from this Nintendo Direct before we move on. Uh, the first is Dying Light 2 Stay Human is going to be on Switch via a streaming service, a cloud streaming service, which is... Which really they, did for, they did for Resident Evil, they did for Control, yeah. they, they've yeah. done it. To, and to Guardians kind of, of the Galaxy effect. be that. It both work? Cases, both cases, people didn't think that... I mean, I, I only heard secondhand. I didn't try them, but I heard the not great. Oh, I played. I played through. I mean, because I'm, you know, I basically have control tattooed tattooed in old English on my back. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, I played old through English, old English was a weird choice, though. <laughs> just for, not for a not for a back tattoo. Well, for control, it just feels like it didn't. It, it just well, asynchronous, you know. Just the artist it, didn't have good control of the tattoo pen, so which is why it ended up that way. <laughs> tried to cover it up. It's like a um, mashup of two styles. I'm just saying. 
look, Corey was busy. Corey doesn't do tattoos, so I couldn't get him to do the <laughs> official logo on the back. Um, I, I played through a good chunk of that again on Switch, and there was a time when it, if, if you had good, I have good internet, where I had good internet, it was better that way than on a base PS4. All right. All right. Well, there you okay. go. Maybe I'm wrong. I just feel like Dying Light 2, Stay Human. If you're excited about that game, right. I don't probably... want to play on Switch through a cloud service. I want it on the yes. best graphics possible. I want to have yes. the instant responses. I'm parkouring on zombies. Like I want to be invested <laughs> and not have any issues whatsoever. It's not a pickup for me. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Agreed. Okay. And then the last thing we have to talk about, because we can't not talk about it, because everybody's talking about it. Is that Chris Pratt's playing Mario, everybody? Uh, they announced the Mario animated movie, which, by the way, could not have been the gr- not have been a better thing for my son to hear. I told I, I watched the Nintendo Direct, and I told my son, who is obsessed with Mario, just had a Mario birthday party, and Chris Pratt. He just had a Chris Pratt. Uh, uh, well, he does like the Lego movie. Too. He walks around Good. saying, "Has he anybody seen movie. my hands?" Um, <laughs> He, uh, I told him, Jack, they're making a, a Super Mario movie. And he went, Daddy, can we go see it tomorrow? And I went, 2022. <laughs> they only like, announced the cast list. That's my, it. <laughs> my, my kid's like, why are you telling me this right now then? You're just making my day worse. <laughs> anyway, uh, so tell me what you think, Trixler. The internet is uh, is I don't upset. Go that, first, because I'm not upset with Chris Pratt being Mario. Like that's fine. That's a everyone is opinion. like utterly upset about this, and I don't know if it's because like if you go outside of his acting career, there are some like political stuff that does pop up, and I don't want to dive into that here on this podcast. But I think as a actor, he brings something to the screen that people enjoy. He's done it for years: Parks and Rec, multiple movies, Garden of the Galaxy, even animated voice work in the past that we know that he's killed it with. Right? Yeah. Um, maybe it's just like the voice doesn't match Mario, which is fine. But like at the same time, you're just trying to sell this movie to people, and sometimes big stars get you in there. I mean, I'm excited for Jack Black as Bowser. I will literally go watch the movie for Jack Black, and I'm sure there are people that will do that for Chris Pratt as well. So I'm cool with it. We'll see right. they deliver it, and I'll go check it out day one. Like I want to see a Nintendo movie that's actually done well. That's not the Super Mario we have from the '80s that we so lovingly think about all the time. Yeah. I mean, clearly they're going a list all the way. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's you just go right down the list. It's all Seth these Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. How funny is that? It's, His, yeah, I, I mean, can hear the laugh Charlie coming Day. out. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a top tier thing. They're, they're clearly trying to make a big, uh, a big mass market movie uh, along the lines of an, a Lego movie, mm-hmm. and they are trying to attract people that wouldn't already be going to see a Mario movie. Uh, exactly, people that that would much rather see or much more likely to see a, a Pixar or a DreamWorks animated movie. And this, you know, this is in that same ilk, but Christian, let me hear your take on Pratt. Well, I, I would do want to say that Seth Rogen originally was going to be playing stony Kong. Um, <laughs> he's just a very stoned donkey Kong. Um, <laughs> I think that's Diddy. Isn't that Diddy? <laughs> or cranky um, <laughs> who is uh, someone else is playing um fred armston i think is playing cranky kong right anyway yep. it's, a, yeah. it's a good cast i i think chris pratt just isn't an obvious choice like lego movie it is kind of an, an everyman still and you're like that sure. makes sense and i think no one no one just thought like that makes sense there are some actors where you could say you know say that person's name and i think people would be like well i wouldn't have thought yeah that could that could work. And Chris Pratt just isn't that person, I think, for anybody for Mario. There's not a world in which people hear his 
dialogue in past movies and think this seems like Mario. And I think part of it is because in the games, Mario is also not throwing quips. You know, Mario's not Nathan Drake. Mario's not yeah. super verbal in games. And there's not this world uh, VO heavy version of, of Mario. And then I think Chris Pratt is suffering a little bit from overexposure. Um, he's sure, in kind so. of everything. They're making him or, or trying to, I don't know, not they, but like Tom Cruise, you know, like you can do everything. You can be in everything. And as you mentioned, Trixler, he's had a lot of success across genre and types, but he is everywhere. And then I think the stuff that, you know, the gossip page six rumors of he and his ex-wife and the, the church that he goes to and his wishy-washy comments on social issues that other people in casts that he's in are very vocal in support of. And he's like, hey, you know, it doesn't say one way or the other. He kind of tries to float that middle line, I think, makes people angry. And then it also becomes further exposure where it's like, it almost because top becomes talked about more because he tries to make it a non-issue. It seems like yeah. instead of just having a, a, a say. And then the thing, Jeff, that really makes me mad. And I haven't talked about this on this show, but the thing that really makes me mad is I got put on a veil for Mario. It's the Spice Man Whoa. doing Mario. Whoa. It's a me. It's a me. It's a Mario, baby. What? Let's go. Let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. That's way more of a Waluigi voice. No, that's what I thought. I went in for Waluigi. And then they said, uh, could you please, in the line, the line where I got put on a veil for it, the line was, uh, um, really, the princess is in, is in another castle. Are you kidding me? And then it was like, <laughs> and then I held the castle for like 20 minutes and the, it yeah. was a standing applause. Um, wow. Impressive. I'm getting noise gated. Chat is telling sequel me. for sure. Yeah, no, makes that's sense. Good because you, even your own equipment is rejecting this notion. <laughs> as long as it's not noise gating in your ears, Jeff, then it's fine. <laughs> uh, my only question with all of this is: Is he going to be doing a voice? Yeah. Is it just going to be Chris Pratt talking like Chris Pratt, or is he going to be talking like me? Yeah, it's me. You know, I, 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 that's my question. Uh, I think it's going to be the former. Any movie has he done anything different besides maybe like give you no. a different look with his eyes? I think it's just he Chris says Pratt. he's working on a voice because he did an Instagram where he did a bad voice. He goes, "It's a me, I'm Amari," and everybody's Why like, "Why would oh. he do that?" And then he goes, oh "That's not God. the real voice, but I've been working hard, and your guys are gonna love it." And it was also like, Ugh. I mean, he's clearly super talented. So yeah, I don't no, know. I'm excited. I'm excited. I think the movie's gonna be fun. I'm, yeah. I, I'm ready for Mario to take that place as a big movie i mean he's he's mickey mouse already right might as well have, be in movies too That's, yeah all right uh one more quick thing that i want to mention before we get to the games we've been playing which i know uh, it's going to be a fun segment but last week we talked about this rumor of quantic dream the makers of heavy rain and beyond two souls and uh, detroit become human uh getting the license to do a star wars game and there's a new report this week from Kotaku that was a follow-up about this. And I just thought we owed it to the audience to bring it up because we speculated a whole bunch about what it might be like for a Star Wars game made by Quantic Dream and that Quantic Dream style of the branching narrative storylines and QTEs and all that stuff. And I think we came away pretty interested in what they might come up with. Well, the update, again, still a rumor, no 
official confirmation about this project. But the the update is uh, Quantic Dream may be making this, but it ain't going to be like any other Quantic Dream game before. Uh, all of the stuff that I got excited about is like, wow, what about a, a Star Wars game with no combat? And like, that just seems so interesting. No, nah, it's going to be a traditional. They've been hiring all kinds of new people uh, from uh, Ubisoft and IDOS and WB Montreal uh, to try to bolster their roster of people that can make action games, action adventure games. It's just going to be another Star Wars game. And maybe it'll be great. But uh, I do think it's interesting that all of our speculation last week, no, none of that. Well, they also say in this updated rumor report that because of that, though, they're running into some issues of like their engine isn't built for that. And what tweaks do they have to make? It does. Again, we're talking about rumors that are talking about other rumors. Um, It it does seem interesting to like, we're going to hire this studio. Or to do the thing they're known for doing? No. Well, okay. That's, that's, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. Well, I, I think it kind of points more to what I brought up last week. And I was like, well, I guess I'm totally wrong about this last week, which was uh, Quantic Dreams games, not super mainstream. Yeah. They're very uh, niche. It, it seems like they've decided to become a more mainstream studio. Um, yeah, it, like a lot of these games that they make, people watch more than they buy and play, and they probably are wanting to turn around some more profit margin. Uh, I am one of those niche fans that loves the way that they present games. I think Detroit Become Human was a masterpiece in the way that it was presented, and it's kind of cool to go back in their old games like Fahrenheit or Beyond uh, Two Souls and see that foundation being laid out and them getting better at it and finally mailing it to Detroit Become Human. Um, but I, I think I uh, completely agree. They probably just wanted to try and expand a little bit more, show people what they are capable of, and try to take with their narrative experience and just add some gameplay to it because people want gameplay, as you've seen from Assassin's Creed from Valhalla and some of these games that W Games Montreal's worked on. Like they're working on Gotham Knights. Those are games that you run around, collect a thon, and beat people up. And they probably just want to try and jump into that a little bit. Yeah. And again, we're multiple years away, likely sure. for this, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Maybe Quantic Dream becomes a very different kind of studio uh, moving forward. All right, uh, let's talk about the games that we have been playing in a segment we call The Playlist. All right, I was particularly excited to have you on this week, uh, Trixler, because you've been playing a bunch of games, streaming a bunch of games, finishing a bunch of games yes. that uh, I've been talking about. You texted me uh, a couple of times uh and really you're the reason that i played a couple of the games on your list oh heck yeah yeah i'm i'm excited to chat with you about a whole lot of stuff let's start with a game that is uh has been uh, breaking the series sales records uh the tales of series tales of arise Uh, it's this kind of i think unexpected hit um you've been playing tales of arise what do you think of it it's Incredible. I mean, personally, just coming out of the gates, um, I'm 26 hours deep into it, and I just got through what would consider to be the tutorial, or usually in JRPGs, or some kind of like big hit ahead, where it's like, okay, now let's change the game completely and go down a different story path. And I just hit that part, um, just to like, try to avoid spoilers. I think it is... You just to have it. to get through the first 26 hours. Oh, no, no, no. The the, what's so great about this game is every single time you play a JRPG... You start in the first three hours, and you're walking around. You're seeing the village people. Everything's happy. There's happy music playing. You're baking a pie, like in Tales of Assyria. <laughs> Things are going great, and then suddenly something evil happens three hours in, and that's when the game starts. Yeah. And that sucks for a lot of people. A lot of people don't want to dig through that. They don't get it, especially if it's your first JRPG. You're like, 
why am I here? I mean, if any of you play Kingdom Hearts first as your first JRPG, everyone hates the first two hours because you build a boat and you <laughs> hang out with people and your children. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and finally it's in the game. This game gets rid of that for the first three hours. You start, you are in the world, and immediately within the first 20 minutes, you get your first taste of combat, and you just go. Your goal is to do something, which is to fight five lords, right? Uh, so I think they finally nailed that. But what I love about the Tales series is they take Eastern animation, and they try their best to replicate it into a game. And they've been close. I've played Tales of Assyria. I've watched some gameplay of other games as well. Tales of Rise, I think, is the first time they have been 98% of the way there. And it is a joy if you love anime and love that type of animation style. Legend of Korra, all that kind of stuff. It plays like that, and it feels like that. They took their combat from Tales of Assyria, which was uh, more combo-based. You kind of slam down your buttons, but you would preset combos and just kind of unload on people. Uh, they've taken that and made it a little bit more slow and more combat-based with like a Marvel versus Capcom type of like interaction. And it feels so fun to play. I think it looks great. Um, and they've also made it to where in Tales series, I feel like boss fights are kind of like meat grinders. You kind of just like beat them up a little bit and then you get a cutscene and go from there. They're more interactive. You're actually able to interact with your boss fights and become epic raids. You fight freaking huge dragons. And it's just pure fun. Like I can't sell this game enough um, just to like encapsulate it for anyone that might play JRPGs or are like slightly interested. I think this is top three JRPGs for me. Between wow. Combat 7 Remaster, Chrono Trigger, and now Tales of Arise. I need to finish it, of course, and get that finale. But right now, it's shaping up to be one of my favorite experiences. Like It's wow. incredible how it just unfolds for you. Wow, that I, I have not heard anybody talk about it in that high uh, regard. It is uh, That's awesome. Tales of Arise. Um, uh, you're obviously enjoying the story as well. Yeah, the story... Um, when you play JRPGs, typically you build out a party, and there's a couple people that fall to the cracks. You're just like, eh, you're kind of annoying, or you don't do anything fun, or I don't like how you interact. Every character brings something to the table, and the best part about it is they make people sit on the bench, but you're able to activate them in the middle of a fight so they can excel at what they do to help mm. you win the fight and extend a combo. And that's where that Marvel versus Capcom kind of comes in a little bit. Right. Um, and every character... While they might have some like glaring negatives, they have glaring positives, and they always come together to figure out a solution together. There isn't this weird rift that comes together at 60 to 70 hours later in the game. From the start, they are a party that are working together towards an overarching goal, and they're willing to hear each other out. There's some T-Sunder moments overall, but I, I think they just nailed character development finally as well. Mm. Um, I, I literally cannot give this game a better glowing reveal. I think it's something that everyone should play if they need to figure out what a jrpg is like because it jumps into the action right away and it gives you a chance to finally discover what so many people like and enjoy in these games amazing tales of arise uh tricks are seal of approval uh that's, are you guys gonna uh, try it please tell me you'll play at least three or four hours no nah, i really it was completely off my radar uh i mean as far what? as something that hold on <laughs> i can't Hmm. I mean, there's there's a there's definitely uh, too many games. He true, said, trying true. to find the clip to play right. Perfect. But but uh, but now I feel like I have to play uh, Tales think, of Rise. I think everyone should at least attempt to play it for a little bit just to see how they present cutscenes and story moments. Um, it's really interesting how one they switch over their engine to the Unreal Engine, so. It's beautiful. The game just yeah. looks great compared to past uh, entries in the entire series. But whenever they get to a moment that's supposed to drive an emotion or really hype you up, they switch to 2D animation, and mm. it just looks beautiful. It's smooth. Uh, I just, I'm going to keep gushing. We can 
we can move on. <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, there's a couple other games on your playlist that I I literally started playing because uh, you are you were very positive on them as well. Uh, one of them uh, is a game I've been playing a lot of this week. Uh, Kena Bridge of Soul, uh, Spirits. Excuse Jeff, me. Jeff, sing its praises, please. Let us know. Uh, I, I like it. I have not finished it. You have finished it. So I'll mm. let you take the lead on this. You you really dug this game. Yeah. Uh, I started out. This actually opens up another conversation um, in general that I wanted to ask you guys about. Uh, but first, like, this is a game that looks like Pixar quality animation yeah, through really and does. through. Like, to the point that it looks so good that when you're doing puzzles, you can't see things popping out. Like, sometimes in games, things are a little <laughs> bit more high texture or look better. You're like, oh, that's how I saw the puzzle. Yeah. The game just breathes life into everything. Like, the plants, uh, the, the way you use uh, abilities in a fight, it also smooth. And um, there's even, like, weird elements of it. And I hate saying this because I feel like every game journalist says this, it's got some Dark Souls combat in it a little bit. Yeah. Some dodge rolls, some iframes, some big boss fights that really uh, take the moment where you are in the game and kind of show off the mechanics and allow you for you to progress forward and get better at the game. Um, and I think if this studio doesn't work out in gaming, which I think they should, first off, with this being their first indie game ever, um, they should just go into just doing movies because I would watch their products without a doubt. Yeah, it, it, you're right. It is gorgeous. It feels to me like a like a DreamWorks animated feature uh, mm-hmm. at, at every level. It's it is beautiful, and I will echo and underscore what you said about the wonderful little bits of detail. the The story is you play as this uh, this spirit guide. Walker, yeah, yeah, and she finds these things called rot, which are cute little. Um, uh, spirit creatures, little dark um, elf-like things that appear. And you kind of collect them almost like Pikmin. Uh, you collect them and they can do stuff for you in the environment. They can pick up big things and move them around. And they you can... can put hats on them. That's the most important <laughs> part. You collect hats and all the hats are adorable and you can switch it up and make them all adorable and then you can take pictures of them. Okay, continue, Jeff. I, think, Sorry. I love that you are so excited about that. I was going to say, I think the game vastly overestimates how much I want to put hats on my rocks, <laughs> but I'm glad you do. I'm glad you do. Give me um, the money ears all day. There are lots of hats, and you can, you can spend hours just like putting hats on your rocks uh, and taking pictures with them, which evidently you have done. Um, anyway, but I love how they, they are sort of around you all the time, and you'll walk into a new area, and they'll just like pop up on... Uh, a, tr- a stump over in the yeah. corner and they're like watching you and hanging out and i've never seen a game do it quite like that before where you are collecting these things and they aren't just sort of procedurally following you they are interacting with the environment with their own personality they have their own little life to them that is helpful to you because sometimes they'll they'll point out interesting stuff in the environment but most of the time it's just it just feels like they they're alive in a way that is complementary to the things you're doing, not completely tied to the things you are doing. And you're I just, on a I, journey with them, and you're bonding yeah. every second of the way. It's really cool. It's really cool. And uh, I I will say, and you were talking about the souls like combat, which it does have souls like combat. My only criticism with Kina Bridge of Spirits is. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not really sure who this game is for. Like, yep. it, it, it's aesthetic and tone and world feels so welcoming and sweet, and like a like a movie for you know a ten year old. And I'm not saying that as a detriment. I think it's I love that. I, I love the uh, the feel of that. 
But then there are these crazy difficulty spikes that happen where it's like, you better be good. And I know that there is a lower difficulty setting of- Who wants uh, to do that? Who wants right. to admit they can't beat a kid's looking game, right? I, like <laughs> Christian's raising Christian's his like, hand. like, I got this. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, there is story mode. There's like the story setting where I haven't tried it, but I'm assuming the combat is a lot easier. But I'm on like the normal, whatever normal is. Hmm. And there's some serious difficulty spikes. Like there are a, a couple of moments where I like, I had to set it aside and, and come back the next day. Which, by the way, always works. Why does that always work? To Your brain stop? Resets. You're not you're not tilting anymore. Yes, you're not tilting anymore. Exactly, and it's it's such a strange thing that I I'm so resistant to that strategy of just stop beating your head against the wall, go away, do something else, and come back to it anyway. And then, like invariably, the first time I try it, after eight times of dying in a row, it's like, oh, I just oh, I. Just beat it in the first try. Anyway. It's the human version of unplugging it and plugging it back in. It, like, really, yeah, is. it really is. Your yeah. power cycle, your brain. You, someone um, tells you to do that. You're like, that's not gonna, that is so dumb. Okay, it worked. Yep, it, yeah. uh, it worked. I have anyway. a, a theory to your point, actually, about that, about who this game is for. Uh, yes. I feel like that game may have been started with the foundation of this is like a Shadow of the Colossus. We want you to explore, enjoy your time in the world, synergize with it, and then suddenly when you get to the important objective points, here's a big boss fight for you to move forward, or just like ways to move in. And I think that game would have succeeded like that, but I feel like someone came in and was like, we don't have enough gameplay, there's not enough hours, because the entire game, when you play it all the way through, is like eight to nine hours. Um, so perhaps they wanted to add a little bit more longevity to it, or maybe they were looking wait, for wait, more wait. combat. Eight to nine hours of hats. Right. It, like, well, it's about two yeah. hours of hats, about six okay. hours of story, about three hours of tilting on boss fights. Um, uh, I, I, I think they were just like, oh, crud, we have to put mobs in the game and we have to make you interact. And I, this is where I actually was bringing it up at the very, very start. What do you guys think about games where they drop you into a world and the combat feels so clunky until you find an upgrade? Do you see that as a success or do you see that as like they're hampering you so they can give you the good stuff later on so you feel powerful? I think that is a great question, and it is absolutely something I was going to bring up with this game as well, because I, I saw your tweet about it. You're like, the game starts slow. I totally agree it starts slow. And you, it, it, it like, you literally see the moment where you get something, and you go, oh, this was the game the whole yeah. time. Yeah. You weren't letting me play the game the first two hours I was playing it. Because mm-hmm. Jedi uh, Fallen Order did that, and there's a lot of games that do that. And I don't know yeah. if it's like this weird placebo effect where it's like we well it's not placebo because it's actually active but they want you to feel that power spike so you feel like you're getting better at the game and i I don't know if i like it or not i'm like i'm struggling with it lately in games christian you want to answer that i i I think this is a great question yeah i think it's hard i haven't played uh this game so i can't speak to it specifically i understand the approach and Mm -hmm. i think when done well it's incredible right when done well and you, you're having fun still at the beginning, but then you get this new thing and then in retrospect, you're like, oh my God, oh my God. Like Ori does a great job of that. The second one, I get the names wrong because it's not just sequels. Like you start out and it's fun. It's fun. And then you unlock some of the powers and you're a lot of Metroidvanias do this, I think really well. Uh, and then you unlock some powers and you're like, now I know how I'm supposed to get across the world. This is incredible. Guacamelee, mm-hmm. a lot of 2D games, I think, do this really, really well. Um, oh, a, a 3D game that I think also does it well is Deathloop. Deathloop, I think, does it really well. You start off with no 
powers and you're kind of figuring out these levels in these worlds. And then you start to get your powers and level up your powers. And then it's like, now I see where that window's there. It's not, oh my, I am a murderer incarnate, you know, and you're just flying through. But I think if it isn't fun initially, then I think that's just the myth. I do like the idea of becoming God tier later. I think that's super fun. Um, I think you just need to balance how it starts, how it feels initially, and then hopefully it feels better later, if that yeah. makes sense. I think the problem with Kina in this regard, and, and I think there are a number of games that do it, is that you play through a, a fairly significant section of the game just without a major pillar of your abilities, mm-hmm. like a major section of what you do. In, in, in the game it's like oh i also can do all this other stuff uh and that it's different when it's like something has been kicking my butt and then i get a new power that trumps that 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 makes me feel like oh the thing that was kicking my butt no longer can kick my butt that feels awesome yeah it's like oh now i can rip the shields off of them and whatever that you know i'm pulling that out of my it's something, sure. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, now the thing that's been frustrating me, I, I have a, a tool that specifically operates to disarm that. Yes. That's not exactly what I think we're talking about. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Trixler. But I feel like I'm missing a button for the exactly. first couple of hours. Yes. I'm missing, missing something button. on my controller, then, yes. and I feel like my entire controller is not utilized. And um, it's true because then you get another button and you're like, oh, you're like, well, oh. that's that's what, what this now the game has started. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, which is, so, I think, unfortunate. I guess what we're, we're trying to say is, if you're going to play Kina, and I think you should, if you have the access to a PS5, it is on PS4 and Epic as well. I think it, I played it on the PS5. It was beautiful. The load times were wonderful. Yeah. Um, if I would probably play it on PC and then maybe PS4 last nowadays. Uh, but if you do play it, just, just harbor the warning. For the first couple hours, there are going to be moments where you're going to be confused. You're going to feel like you are missing something. But if you keep pushing through it, by the second major boss fight, the game just blossoms and it's beautiful. I can't not. I mean, I, I just recommend it more. I mean, Tales of Rise and Kena right now are probably the, the best games I played in the last month. Like they were, yeah, they were it, smooth. It does. It does become a much more funny. It, the The first part of the game isn't bad. Yeah. It's just bland. It just feels mm-hmm. like, oh, is this all there is to this game? And then it's almost it, jarring. It goes, yeah, and then it goes. No, that's not all there is to this game. There's there's all this other stuff, and you go, oh well, okay, well that's that's fun. <laughs> it just becomes much so much more dynamic and interesting, and you have so many more options with how you deal with the bad guys, and the puzzles become more interesting. Everything becomes more interesting because you literally have a new way of interacting with the world. Um, so anyway, I, I also I don't think I love it as much as you. I do think it's sure. gorgeous. I really like the puzzles. Uh, the game has a lot of has that confidence to let you sit in the not knowing, which mm. too few games do. I think there's a lot of games where they're like, oh my gosh, it's been five seconds since the player got, you know, encountered this puzzle. Let's give them some massive hint or just tell them how to do it uh, because I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. And this game, I there were several puzzles where I was like, I genuinely don't know how to do this right now. And I, and I just kind of sat there and thought through it and fe- kept experimenting and then found it and was like, oh, that was satisfying. And I, I like that about it. Um, it's it's. I think it's a gem. I do. I like it's Kina, Bridge of Spirits, uh, and um, I, I intend to finish it. I, I'm having a, a good time playing it. Uh, it is their first indie game, so for yeah. me, it was good enough. Maybe um, to not oversell it. 
it's good enough to where I'm interested in the next project. And yeah. I think that's always a good statement about game studios, especially on their first product. And I bought it. It was 40 bucks. I mean, it's not, not a full price game. It, it does feel like a triple A game to me. It, it, it has, it's beautiful. It's great. Uh, all right. Uh, the other game that you uh, persuaded me to play, and, and this one was uh, a little controversial last week because I said th- some things that folks in our uh, Reddit and uh, Discord were disagreed with vehemently. Um, is Pathfinder? Oh, yep, yeah. There's a lot. Path- of, there's a lot of opinions on that game. <laughs> <laughs> Path of the Righteous. Uh, you you texted me and you're like, are you are you playing this? I, it's got Divinity vibes, and I was like, well, you said the magic words. I'm going to buy this game. Um, so tell me, I, I know you put crazy hours into Pathfinder, right? Uh, yeah, I think I put about 20 hours into it. I will say that uh, before going into this, I was not a Pathfinder knowledgeable guy whatsoever. I find it to be obnoxious with some of its mechanics, uh, but I do think the story is very good. That's why I wanted to reach out to you because I know you do a wonderful job with D&D and storytelling and you kind of appreciate that stuff a lot. And I think when it comes to that factor of this uh, entire thing, they nail it in the whole Divinity 2 regard. They have a wonderful story where you are the center of the attention. Uh, You are thrown into a world and things just go to heck right away and you have to figure out how to make a party and move forward. Uh, But I also have ran into many opinions about how (laughs) wrong I am when it comes to uh, D&D and these mechanics, because this is basically D&D hardcore. Like, every yeah. time that you are doing combat in this game, you're rolling four dice in the background. You could miss out on attacks. Things could not roll out well. If you're not building into certain things that are hidden in the background and until someone points them out for you, you will continue to fail constantly. Uh, and I found a lot of frustration uh, with the game in that regard. And uh, one thing they also did is, I think in the first game, don't quote me on this, but in their first game, uh, they had turn-based combat, and people modded it to be action combat, where people would just kind of run in and fight. Uh, and so they adopted that and made it one of their main play styles in this game, with the ability to go into turn-based mode, which is, I think, the superior way to play D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt really, really jarring, but I kept like pushing my head into it and keep trying to like grind against this wall to make it work. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I just think it was a, a, a poor play on their part. So if you do play this game, please go into turn-based mode. You will save yourself so much uh, headaches and you will be able to play the game a lot better. Um, but for D&D, if you are looking for that Divinity 2 itch and you want to go hardcore and you want to go down this rabbit hole of mechanics on top of mechanics on top of mechanics that actually feed into another mechanic, this <laughs> is a game for you. You will spend 200 to 300 hours playing this game easily. It yeah. is a game that you buy and you play all year. And it's a game that you can kind of kind of drop and pick up in a couple of weeks if you want to if you kind of know where you're going on the map um yeah i I agree with uh, almost everything you said i i um i mean you could play spend 200 hours in the character creation yeah the character is phenomenal that's what i put me into it it's phenomenal man you can play anything you want yeah i mean you you could you could create a character that has a pet Mm -hmm. and then the pet is a full character creator. <laughs> like it's it's wild. Anyway, um, some folks in the uh, in the subreddit uh, at five by five DLC dot were taking me to task because of the things that I said about it last week, uh, and a lot of that was the my criticism of the combat. And um, there are folks in here saying I, I played seventy hours uh, and and uh, thought it was weird listening to Jeff's criticism. Uh, somebody else said uh, that Jeff didn't look into the difficulty settings. Or what difficulty did you play on, Trixler? I'm playing on normal. What what yeah. most people in Pathfinder defend valiantly in that game is it's unbalanced. Uh, yeah. They have they take months, almost up to years, to make sure that they talent it. They get rid of bug fixes, blah blah blah. blah. They balance out certain things. So 
what Pathfinder does, and it should be a positive for a lot of people, but it's hard to realize, is that it's okay to mess with the difficulty settings. You can change things yeah. to make sure that your characters don't take a certain injury so they take more damage in the future. There's like perfect or a permanent death. Um, there's all these small micro adjustments that you can do to make the experience for you. You can become your own DM. Uh, so normal, while it is normal, it's an unbalanced normal that they just kind of like have thrown into the game. They want you to take charge as a player and make it your own campaign, which is, you don't know that. There's no way right. anybody would know that, right? Yeah. And, and I, and I, I take the criticism. I, I, you know, I was complaining about how some fights feel really interesting and dangerous and cool. And then there's a lot of fights where I'm just like auto attack, like let it just mm -hmm. basically play the game on its own. Um, because it just was fodder that just felt, it just felt like what, what I'm even, why is there even an encounter here? If I don't basically have to do anything, you know, I just let it auto attack my, my party and all that. Anyway, I, I understand it was more on me to tone that. And, and the options are there in this game. The options are there. I could have slid that slider and found the sweet spot. And perhaps it was, um, a uh, unfair criticism on my part last week. I mean, so I wanted to mention that to also build into that really quickly. I don't think it's unfair for you to have that criticism. I was like someone that's actually, you're, you're a good gamer. Like you play lots of games. You, sh you go into a game, you kind of know what you're looking for or what you're moving into. Pathfinder is just a, a little bit too much if you're not prepared for it and you have to be warned. So I think we just need to warn everybody and let them know if they are going to be moving into a game, just know that it, it's going to be a bit of a pain in the butt. Like, I think there's a stat out there that like, if you give a person uh, two options, 98% of people will choose something. But if you give yeah. them six options, like 5% of people will actually choose something and the rest will panic and look for other sources, right? Yeah. Like, it's just a little too much. Just, just be aware of that. Yeah, five difficulty settings uh, for Pathfinder. And each of and those have like 50 adjustments you can do. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. Like This is yeah. serious. Yeah. So kudos to them for sort of putting that in the player's hands, but... I also feel like I just want give me the I mean, I feel like I think about this a lot and I mm -hmm. almost almost always I mean, ninety nine point nine percent of the time we'll play a game on whatever normal is because I feel like that's the one that the developers expect me to play it on. That's the game that they designed. And so I'm judging it on on those terms and I appreciate having difficulty settings. I think it's a useful tool but most of the time, I feel like there's got to be one that's the one, you know? Yeah. That's the one that the game is supposed to be, I don't know. Can I tell you where I dropped it? I, yes. Uh, I finished the tutorial. It took 19 hours. Literally, yeah. it's like, tutorial's done. Choose something. And you choose something. <laughs> and it's like, oh, by the way, here's a warrior managing. And they literally give you yeah. armies and give you no <laughs> information about running yeah. armies. <laughs> it becomes this big, yeah, this big over, like it becomes a real board game yeah. <laughs> at a certain point, like area control board game, uh, which is cool. Like it's this other yeah. layer that uh, shows up. Uh, it's like Boulder's Gate. And now it's also uh, <laughs> civilization. You know, it's like, oh, really? Okay. Okay. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Uh, it's good. It's just hard. Uh, what is the what is the last game on your list? I, I I don't recognize it. Oh gosh, Chicory! Have you guys heard of Chicory? I haven't. Have you, Christian? Have you uh, heard of uh, Celeste? Yes. Okay. Big uh, fan. I'm looking this up now. Okay. The right <laughs> you said the magic word for before Christian. I say Celeste. I don't think platformer. Um, I'm just saying Celeste because one, it's the composer for the music in that game, and the music and the soundtrack in Celeste is just revered by many as wonderful. And I feel like oh, she's yes. done it again in Chicory. 
Yes, I did. Yes, I am familiar with this game. Yes. Um, and also it plays with the themes that are in Celeste, with like anxiety, depression, like self-doubt and whatnot. Um, and I think some games may lay it on a little bit too hard. I think it's actually a bit of a trend right now to go down that route. But I think it's something that needs to be discussed a lot in games. And I think Chicory nails it perfectly with like, here you are as a creator. Because how you play this game is it gives you a white canvas on every single um, uh, span that you go through. I don't even know how to describe it. Like when you uh, do a side scroll and it slides over to another map, um, like Zelda. Screen, yeah. Yeah, screen, uh, screen scroll. Um, it does that. But every single piece of the map can be colored in by you. You draw and color and design this entire map around you because you've picked up this paintbrush from a previous paintbrush wielder, sort of like an avatar, uh, that you are trying to help her come out of her depression. This entire storyline is about eight to nine hours long. There's boss fights. There's creativity allowed. Um, and you put your own mark into this game. Like If you actually just sit down and own it, it is one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. And with the music on top of it from the composer from uh, Celeste, gosh, I'm going to look up her name because I feel bad not even saying her name off the top of my mind. It uh, looks like a like a coloring book, like you're playing yeah, a coloring book. You yeah. really are. It, it's wonderful. I think everyone should pick it up, especially if they were into Celeste. I just keep comparing it to that, but like that's the vibes I got the entire time. Chicory, C-H-I-C-O-R-Y. I'm looking at, at it on Steam right now. It's 20 bucks. Lena Rain. Uh, What's her name? Yeah. Yeah. Chicory, a colorful tale. Um, awesome. It looks really interesting and unique. And I love your uh, description. Uh, and it's, it's so pretty. You, you start, yeah, on this sort of blank, like coloring book with only black outlines. Mm-hmm. And then you get to add all these wild pastels to everything. And what's cool is they teach you how to do art. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I can't draw anything. Like, I, I can barely get a stick figure done. Um, but, I can color. And once you learn how to color a little bit, you start to get a little more bold. You start to get a little creations. You start to add some more flair. And like suddenly this map where if you start at the very beginning of the game, you can kind of see how like crappy your art is. And then when you expand through the rest of the map, you start to see that you are actually improving as an artist. Like it, it just makes you feel like you've done something special. Um, So it, it, that's another one of those games. Like, I don't know. In the last month, I've just gone through this like, weird series of indie games that have just nailed it out of the park. And uh, I think Chicory's up there as, as one of the few that I would recommend. Chicory, a colorful tale. I'm excited for you guys to tell me about Deathloop. Please tell me about uh, this game. Well, it's pretty great. It's pretty, have you found, I'm the, have you you found it? it? Have you found the fun, Jeff? Have you I found... have found the fun. I, I am, I am super into it. I, I think uh, this next weekend, I'm going to power through uh, the end. I, I, I think the key was hearing you say how slow and methodical you are, you are being with it. And uh, that has been um, much more fun to really play it like a stealth game um, and not a shooter has been uh, much more fun. And, and because honestly I played um, dishonored much more like a shooter than a stealth game. Mm. I really did. I, I got those powers and I was zipping around just taking fools out and uh, I think the ramp up with Deathloop is much more, or at least for me, I found the fun in being much slower, ignoring large parts of the map when I didn't need to do it. It's not a game where you have to like methodically mow down everybody. It's like, oh no, I need to go over here. So I'm just going to go over here right now. And you'll methodically mow down everybody 10 loops from now like yeah yeah, it gets you there but yeah right now you don't you just need to go to your apartment you know like that's all it is yeah yeah that's cool yeah it's fun i've been watching some 
streams or I guess some VODs of, of folks or clips of like people being death. And like, I kind of want to play that way. Cause like after, you know, you play these encounters in these, these sections of the map in death loop over and over and over again at the same time of day. And it's not random. I think that was great in our conversation last week about how it doesn't feel like a rogue type game in that regard, because it's not randomizing what you're doing every time. And I've watched some clips of people being like, all right, here we go. And it's just awesome. You know, Colts diving, running, sliding on the ground, using a power, teleporting someone, lifting up a whole mob of people, throwing them across the room. And then they'll like switch to, I forget the name of your pistol. And like they switch to the pistol for the final kill. And I'm just like, I will never do that, but I feel cooler having watched you do it. (laughs) Yeah. It's a game that welcomes, I think that it rewards time spent in the world. And I think that's probably safe to say of most games, but I think what makes Deathloop unique in how it does that is it, it almost forces it in terms of you got to do it again and it's not randomized. You're going to do it again, but this time we're going to send you to a slightly different part, but you're going to cross through where you have been. And then you take the detour. Then you take the fork in the road. You don't have to, there's a sewer over here, go find that. But it really encourages, I think that methodical exploration of a map where you then will end up at a door that you can't open. It's like, well, I can't, I don't, why did I come? Okay. And then three loops later, you're like, "Ah, I can open that. Oh, those jerks. They showed me that door (laughs) because now I have the thing. I know where the door is. I don't need to go to the door. I bet there's something good behind that door. And then you get to kind of, you know, write your, write your concert as you kill your way over there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's deserving all the praise it's getting. I'm surprised you're not playing it, Trish. Are you are you planning to jump into it? Uh, maybe. Um, I get kind of Hitman vibes from it, and mm. even after your guys' recommendation of Hitman, I sat down and tried to play it, and I just I, I don't. I watched games. James. Yeah, yeah, I just you you. I love you. I love you, and I was yeah, in but, that stream. You you couldn't. I'm I'm, I'm going to be overly harsh. Go ahead, here. Say it, say it, say it. Be harsh. You couldn't disconnect from the. You were having fun creating the chaos and i was yeah. screaming in my house yeah. like trickster stop just, yeah you're right there just do the do the and you're like hey i'm right here I'm about to do this kill <laughs> what if i take this spoon and throw it at that kid's balloon and then yeah. i'm like, like no that stuff I mean, is yes, fun, but yes please do i want to watch you do this but also like no don't and then you do yeah. it and then it'd fall apart and then i was like i should oh, probably try to gonna... beat it and then have fun but like i, I don't <laughs> no. know what it is like sometimes with games i don't know if you guys have this like there are certain ways to play it and like i like doing things that other people don't do. Um, and then I just can't go to the regular way. I just can't do it. My brain breaks. Like, uh, I did that with Neo yesterday. Like, my brain, like, an hour into Neo, I was just like, can't play this game. Sorry, guys. Yeah. And then I just turn it off, right? Like, <laughs> And I feel that with Hitman. I wanted so badly to beat the first level, because I don't even think I beat the first level, and go to the second level, because you guys have praised it so much. And I think after two hours of trying, I was like, okay, uh, Hitman's not for me. Well, let's go play a MOBA. And then it rolled out. that's fine. You know, that's fine. Everything doesn't have to be for everybody. And Mm. and, and recognizing that, I think, is useful. Uh, And I definitely have those games where I'm just like, I I see that this game is good, but it's not good for me. It's not my jam. Um, Speaking of your jam, though, Christian, you got a lot of other stuff on your playlist. Do do I? What do I have? What do I have? Oh, Mike. So (gasps) I'll, I'll start because I think Trixon and I might be able to, to vibe for a little bit on this other thing, but I'll start with Sable, which is out now on Game Pass. It's a day one game. We talked about it when the demo came out. It's also available on PC Steam, I want to say Steam. 
And this is a game that is an open world game. I have not rolled credits on it. I don't want to pretend like I've, you know, put 15 hours into it. I have not. I played a bunch of the demo and then I've played some of the game now at release. But it still feels like a game that is an open world game without that main quest to get in the way. You know, like your son isn't being dropped into a pit of acid and you must rush there to save him. But also, go start a farm. But also, go run a shop. But also, soup up this car. It feels like it's just those smaller interactions that let you live in this beautifully desolate world that's still filled with hope and optimism in in a way. It's not Mad Max desolate of like, the world used to be great. Yeah. Then they robbed it of all of it. It's, it's, it's like, this is the world we live in and we're a loving community and you were supposed to get this thing for your birthday, but life happens and this person forgot, but it's okay. You're still friends and now go do this thing and learn about the spirit. And now you can float and fall damage won't kill you. And it's animated in a really quirky way where kind of like Spider-Verse things like on the twos. Uh, I'm not going to pretend to know my animation terms. Um, where your character is is kind of intentionally not 120 frames per second. You know, it's not that. It's it's various styles. The herky jerky dancer. Yeah, while the background <laughs> is, and it it's just it's just chill. It's not journey level of zen, in my opinion. It's not quite flower. I have had some frustration, like finding a thing where I'm like, I'm on the marker. This is oh, I got to step to the left. Now I'm there. You know, you know there've been some of those moments, but for a, a game that just celebrates its world, I think I almost said journey as chat typed in journey. So great as That's a game a that game. just celebrates its world. I think Sable does it in a really cool way. Just hop um, on your hover bike and scoot across the desert. That It feels good. It feels good. And, and yeah. it looks pretty. And like I said, it, Maybe something huge negative happens later, but it feels generally fairly positive, which is nice. I think kind of like maybe Trixler's last month of seeking out these other experiences where I don't, I don't need the apocalypse. Also, as recording, happy uh, Last of Us Day to everybody. I love that game and I love that franchise. Today is uh, Outbreak Day. Um, that seems like not a positive day. We call it Last Great of Us Day now. We call it Last of Us Day. I want to give a quick shout out to the day where everyone turned into clickers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we've come out the other side. Um, I love that franchise. Uh, this is not that, right? Uh, Sable is not that oppressive. I have experienced a few, what I would call hitches, and I've read about a lot more. Um, so it seems like maybe if you are a game pass player and have a million other things on your plate already, maybe wait, um, for Sable for some of these fixes or patches. I I've heard of some pretty severe performance issues for some folks, and I've heard of some folks getting nauseous and I don't know if it's because of performance issues or just because of that, you know, 18 frame per second animation style over a, a smooth background that is throwing people, um, but it seems like a game that is is beautiful and can give you those Zen vibes, but also I think is easy to recommend. Uh, it's wait, Zen until you puke. Wait a month or so. <laughs> right. It's like it clicks or people are having game breaking, you know, problems with it. This game um, 
I just relaxed and then barfed. <laughs> that was a <laughs> problem in Spider-Man Miles Morales, actually, because they had the Into the Spider-Verse costume yeah. that ran the frame rates, but because it was so smooth in the background, people just kept like having sickness problems. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that costume. I was like, I want to get that costume. I want to get that costume. I got that costume. I was like, I played it for two minutes. I was like, nah, I'm not playing that costume it. anymore. <laughs> you, can, you can turn that off in Spider-Verse, in Miles Morales, I should say, in Spider-Verse. In Miles Morales, you can turn off that perk with that yeah. costume if you just want to use that costume. Yeah. But Sable, I, I think check it out, um, but maybe wait a month. You know, know what it yeah. is. I love the idea of this open world game that celebrates its world and just that's again maybe something changes at hour 10 and it's like then the title card comes up and it's like oh now i'm shooting people um, you know but i don't think that's the game and i like that i like a game that just has you explore and find places and live in that space it seems really cool yeah Single anything else on your playlist yeah the, the reason i didn't play kenya bridge of spirits is um it's another flight weekend for halo infinite and there this weekend is um team and the next weekend is big team battle and um something else but this weekend is slayer uh capture the flag control i think those are the three playlists there's maybe one more oh trickster it's so good it's it's nice it's so good it feels like a comfortable blanket and it looks beautiful. Like it that feels like you. No, it doesn't. It fills me with love. Like I get shot, but the game's not doing it. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's some jerk on the other team. It, it 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 looks great. It has the Halo feel. Yeah. While still modernizing so many things, like with you know the assault rifle, you can still left trigger in for a little bit. It's not as you're talking about Halo Three. It's not this static cursor moving. It still brings things from modern fps is but in a way that it's not call of duty with a halo skin it yeah. still very much feels like that and shout out to spawn on me and khalif he was talking on twitter the other day about the dance that halo provides and that call of duty doesn't like call of duty firefight is trixler sees me first i'm gonna lose i'm gonna lose that firefight like i might get two into his body I don't and know, jeff can take aim. him out but <laughs> Yes, but I'm going to lose. But Halo, because of your, that shield regen that every game did for so long back then, and then games moved away from, but Halo still has. Seeing me first isn't an instant, you know, you, I'll parry around for cover. I throw a needler shot towards, uh, you know, the person that's chasing me, and now she's damaged for a little bit, and I'm getting my shield recovered. I'm going to switch over to my plasma grenades, flank left with the plasma, so I'm going to force her come to come to my right. So hopefully she doesn't have time to recharge her shield. I can switch over to my BR, pop off a few headshots, get that win, even though I didn't see them initially. Super satisfying. And just that shield regen. I feel like this moment happened recently. It's been playing in Christian's head the entire time. This was the whole fight we had. It's every game. It's, 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 it's well, not a lot of times. I come around the corner and, and someone has a rocket launcher, and I'm like, no, no, <laughs> this is not going well. Um, and then this flight, the addition of control and capture the flag, there is no butt puckering feeling <laughs> like running a flag back ahead of your teammates when you know there's one person from the other team at your base. And it's like, yeah. do I do I strafe around and wait for my team to catch up? But knowing that there's three also in pursuit of them, am I going to just rush the base and plant the flag am i gonna go for the like that feeling of delivering the flag or the other side of it is killing them while they have your flag 
open up your base for a point is so satisfying. And the way that 343, I think, has, again, harnessed the feeling of Halo while bringing these, uh, making Sprint feel good in it, making Slide feel good in it. For a while, Halo, I think, struggled with that. It was like X was Sprint. Was that in three? Or was it a, it was an ability in four? Uh, and Halo Reach is when they started introducing Call of Duty mechanics, like the, okay. the big drop downs, because that's when I fell off. Because I was Halo Three. I think Halo Three was one of the best Halo experiences I've ever had in my life. Um, and I just kind of fell off because one, I don't have an Xbox, and now that's on PC, I can finally get on and start playing. And I also played last night for I tended to play for thirty minutes, and I played it for four hours because um, <laughs> so I just wanted bad. to try it out. And I echo all your thoughts. I think they've done a great job of nailing Halo while also subduing the Call of Duty effects, but keeping them in the game. Like they're still sprinting the game, but it's like I'm barely running a little bit faster. Where they've introduced a speed to, which is where Halo and that dance comes in, is into the strafe. You have strafe boost now. So when you go into a strafe, you can actually like duke and dive people and win that battle that Christian was talking about when someone shoots you. And it feels so good. Like That was one of my favorite things in Halo 3 is working on my strafing, making sure I could win that fight if I got the second shot. And this game really does nail that to a T. I think it looks beautiful. The only thing I have a problem with is on PC, when you're switching um, between your two weapons, which is like what Halo is all about, your two weapons, your one-two combo, the uh, rotation of the second weapon... Uh, if you're in the middle of an attack animation or you're in the middle of a reload animation, it will not switch out the second weapon. It keeps mm-hmm. pulling it back, and it's like an 80% chance, which I think is a bug. Um, they haven't said anything online on Twitter or anything, but I'm hoping that it's a bug because that's that's Halo to me. Well, I know one bug, and thank you for mentioning the switching weapons. For me, uh, playing on Series X, the switch didn't work. It's like, I again, that's Halo. I'm like, I have to be able to switch to my okay, pistol. Okay, so whether we're on Xbox either? I, I have, but literally... I pulled up the uh, controls and it's like, why? And I'm like, mm. why? Why? I could I could not. So I had the gravity hammer and a BR, which yeah. should be a pretty goat combo. Again, listeners of this show know this. I'm the best FPS player in the world. And the game <laughs> is in beta. And mm. like, I can play really... against bots. No, it's other people, <laughs> but we're all, we're all figuring out the map. Then the game goes mainstream and everybody knows that's the control point and this is where the power up is. And then I, I lose it. But right now I'm pretty good. So I have a gravity hammer and BR and I'm like, I'm pretty good. I can ping from distance. I can run around close. And I couldn't even pick up two weapons. I would pick up one and I wow. I'm like, this, this isn't hate. I'm like, is it a perk? Did they bury Halo in an upgrade? You know, like kind of yeah. like you're talking about Kenya. Did they <laughs> unlock a button? behind it's Kina, by the way Kina, yeah, yeah. Twice now. <laughs> whatever it's ken ken it should be a soft e it's Kina, <laughs> but there's no y sound yeah it's Kina, 100 percent kenna it should I be it was kenna. kenna too <laughs> it, should, it should be kenna uh welcome to my long history of mispronouncing names on dlc it stands for dude loves commessing up um perfect <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't figure it out. And then I, I finally went on to the internet and it's just a bug. You have Good. to go in Good. and switch your control preference to a different control thing and then switch it back. And all of a sudden switch weapon worked. That was literally the only frustration I've had with this beta. Like the maps at first I felt like were a little not sci-fi. Uh, but then like you play them, they feel smooth They're great arenas. They have a lot of like different angles. Like most of the maps, what I, I enjoy about Halo is you usually have like something right in the middle that just cuts you to the map. If you want to take that risk and rotate fast, you can do it. All three of the maps had that that uh, I've played through the last few hours on. So 
I, I think this could be a title that if you were a fan of Halo 2 and Halo 3, could be a title that you may want to pick up on your PC and Xbox because it feels smooth. It feels great. And it's reduced those Call of Duty elements that I did not like that much when I was uh, coming off my Halo buzz from a few years ago. Yeah. So that's the Halo Infinite multiplayer flight. There's also another one next weekend that introduces Big Team Battle and some of the nice. stuff. It's fun. You ready to be in Warthogs and get the flags and run across the map together with Banshees trying to shoot us down? And we're like, no, not today. And then we shoot rockets and we take them all out and then we all pog out of our minds because I can't yes. wait for that. December! Yes. Can't, can't get here fast enough. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up. So stick around for those. But Tim. It's always awesome to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. We appreciate it. Dude, thank you for the invite, man. It's always so fun to talk games with you guys. Anytime. Of course. We love having you on. Tell folks where they can follow you and all of the awesome streams that you do. Yeah, actually, uh, starting on Tuesday, I'm doing a five-day subathon. New World is coming out, which is a PvP MMO that I am very excited for. I've always wanted to be at the start of an MMO and just play it through and see what it's like to see a community build. I had the chance with Heroes of the Storm, and now hopefully I had the chance here with MMO. Uh, so I'll be playing that on Tuesday. I start at four o'clock in the morning at twitch.tv slash Trixler. And uh, I will be live for five days straight, uh, just playing the game as much as I can. And you guys are more than welcome to join our guilds. We're going to do our best to run towns and, of course, keep everyone at bay and the other factions. And uh, I hope that I can see you there. That'd be great. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. I, I might hop on with you. I, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this game. I've heard really good things about it. it. It plays very well. They've done a lot of improvements. I mean, it's been in progress for the last two years it's been delayed and delayed and delayed but i think it's going to be a game that uh people will really enjoy very cool christian spicer what about you what do you got going on this week well not this week but five years from now i'm also going to join the game but i like to join mmos as they end i'm the guy who creates account and runs over and watches the fireworks as the server closes and go i can't believe it's ending oh wow you're too busy being the best player in a beta right now of a shooter that's uh thank you yeah once it goes 1.0 <laughs> daddy's out you yeah know, i don't i have no pre-release or bust baby <laughs> yeah give me a review code i love it once it comes out i'm like lame garbage played that six months ago <laughs> other people are good at it the worst <laughs> um Twitter's the best way to keep in touch it is at spicer s-p-i-c-e-r i also have a newsletter once to twice a month, uh, it goes out. Let's chat games. You can subscribe for free at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. And then I typically stream this here very show live on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. We usually record Sundays at 7.15 p.m. Pacific time, but like this recording today, and I think next week also, there are changes in our schedule from time to time, but uh, again, Twitter or over on our wonderful Discord, as Jeff pointed out already, you can uh, see those last-minute changes as they as they come in. Very cool. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. You can always email us here at the show, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you, comments, questions, anything you'd like, even a review of a game you think we overlooked. Love to hear it. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. Uh, if you want to hear me talk about some other stuff, I have other shows, including a movie and TV review show called The Filmcast. You can find it at The Filmcast Pod, I believe. The Filmcast Pod at, at dot com. I should know. I should know that. 
Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's a, it's good. It's good fun. And we're doing a double review this week of free guy and, um, candy man. So, uh, check that out. It should be a good one. Also, we've got, I do a, uh, a comedy science show called we have concerns. Do that with Anthony Carboni. You can find that at we have concerns.com. Good way to learn something and laugh along the way. My uh, sports show is called Fan Controlled Football. Actually, the title changes every week because it's fan controlled. Uh, you can find that at twitch.tv slash FCF on Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And The Dungeon Run, which is a live play Dungeons and Dragons show wherein I am the DM, uh, making up the story for the folks to play through. You can find that anywhere you get podcasts uh, by searching for The Dungeon Run. Uh, it's also on YouTube, past episodes. And we we uh, stream live Wednesday nights, 6 p.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash The Dungeon Run. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Trixler, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yeah, I've been through uh, a weird phase lately where I've been watching murder mysteries or weird like groups coming together and stuff falling apart and just watching the chaos ensue. Uh, and if you have HBO Max, there is a show called White Lotus that is on HBO, and I highly recommend it. Uh, it is one of those murder mystery uh, shows if you're into that. Uh, but this one's a bit of a different spin. The way it's presented is normally you go into a murder mystery and you find out that someone's dead. Someone's died. And they usually name that person. And then from there, they backtrack and try to figure out who the murder was. Uh, And this one, they show a casket and they show one character and then they just go to this retreat. And your job while you're watching this show is to figure out who the murderer is and who gets murdered. And the great part about this entire show is the soundtrack. That is the main character for me. <laughs> I highly recommend it if you're into that kind of stuff. It might be a bit of a slow burn if you're not into this kind of uh, murder mystery type of uh, show to watch. But if you are, jump on it. It's good. Totally agree. I had a blast with that show. Uh, very, very fun. Um, are you watching Only Murders in the Building? No. I, I'm oh. just finishing up Nine Perfect Strangers. How's that one? So yeah? good. It's uh, Martin Short and Steve Martin. Uh, and Steve Martin created it. it What's the it, title cr- of it? Only Murders in the Building. We'll watch I think it, it 100%. I think it's on Hulu, I want to say. I feel um, like I'm an old man now just watching through all of these oh, murder it's mysteries. So good. I love it's, them right now. It's so funny and fun and smart, and it's it's great. Okay. Uh, it's, about, it's about it's uh, about people that love um, real uh, true crime podcast making okay. their own true crime podcast. It's really Ooh. funny. All right. I'll check it out. Christian Spicer, what's your parting gift? As someone who has yet to go to the movie theaters again, as I'm still consuming things at home and my kids are too young to be vaccinated, I cannot recommend the movie Shang-Chi, but I can recommend the soundtrack. It is so good. It's up there with Black Panther or Into the Spider-Verse in terms of the movie soundtrack doing not just oh, it's one of the singles off of Drake al- Drake's album, or here's a little Nas out- single that's pulled from it, which is also an incredible, but I don't need to recommend that because everyone's listening. It's so good. But uh, it's such an incredible Shang-Chi soundtrack, just bangers from top to bottom. Highly recommend. It does not spoil the movie, at least I don't think so, because I know nothing about the movie. These are just songs. You know, it is, it is pop or rap style music. 
really, really good. I highly recommend checking it out, even if you haven't seen the movie like me and you're waiting for Disney+. Plus. Movie's very good. I will say that. Very, good. very good. I think you'll love how the music works in the movie, too. It's it's great. I'll, I'll be like, I love this part. This is my favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to recommend something as my parting gift uh, that a friend created. Uh, J.P. Kuvert, who is a friend of the show uh, and a friend of mine and uh, has created numerous T-shirt designs and uh, awesome stuff uh, over the years, including the world map for the dungeon run jp covert created uh with me uh i am a huge fan of his art he's a cartoonist and a creator and he sent me uh this thing called dragon town oh christian has one too look at that dragon town it's flick silver pens guide to dragon town which is uh these adventures that jp has been making he uh illustrates it it's basically a zine uh 90 pages full of content if you want to run, it has it comes with a map, a beautiful map. If you want to run a D&D campaign that is lighthearted and fun and whimsical, I mean, there are, um, there, there's a whole uh, beekeeper mis- uh, uh, adventure where you uh, lear- get information from a beekeeper and fight bees. And I mean, there's all kinds, there's maps and characters and scenarios. It's just phenomenal he has really knocked it out of the park it's an entire world that you get in a you know illustrated and with tons of information it's perfect for running an adventure with younger players but i think older players would have a great time with it too um i'm just so impressed with what he did he sent uh, obviously sent one to me and christian um you can get yours on his website jpcouvert.com uh, I believe JP Kuvert, C O O V E R T dot com slash shop. Uh, and then uh, Flick Silver Pen's Guide to Dragon Town. Um, 15 bucks. Well worth it. Uh, I hope you support JP. And I think you'll, you'll really dig um, the product. It's great. He also did the stickers and pins for consequences for me. And it's, it's great. And we also yeah. have his uh, Maker Comics Draw Comic Book that my, my kids love. Uh, everything JP does is easy to recommend. Yeah. It's charming and heartfelt. He's just a good person, and it comes through in the things that he makes. Um, Also, we got a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from Brandon Lee. Brandon writes, hey, I'll keep this parting gift brief. A great book to pair with Deathloop is The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. I won't say more as it's a book as it's a book best opened cold, but it pairs like fine wine with this game. Keep up the great work. Well, that's mysterious, Brandon, and I'm intrigued. Again, The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle is the name of the book. If you're digging Deathloop and its concept and ideas, Brandon thinks that's a great one to pair with it. Uh, I'm anxious to find out what that's all about because that sounds really, really cool. The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on the show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. And that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Trickster and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those fun bumpers. Thanks to all the folks hanging out in chat and making the show better in real time. We appreciate you. And thanks to each and every one of you that download us and listen each week. We're so grateful. We couldn't be here without you. 
We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.